Hey, everybody. We are very busy getting our stories ready for our upcoming live show on October 6th at Romarin at Corbeau. It is our uh, what we hope to be and plan to be our annual Halloween show at Romarin at Corbeau in Oxford, Alabama. So we are prepping for that. And we thought maybe this week you guys would enjoy hearing a sort of golden oldie of ours in uh, in preparation for some of the fun new stuff that we're going to do. So enjoy this uh, this older, good, amazing, classic Strange South episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> if you are looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, Serious podcasts on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people. This podcast is not for you. However, if you decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. The Strange South. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Yay, we're back. We are back, and I think we got our drinks figured out for today. Yes. So I know that we're supposed to do something before. I mean, I've already been drinking my margarita, mm-hmm. which we got the recipe from Gun and Garden. Gun, gun and Garden. Garden. Gun. Yeah. Gun, garden and Gun. Garden, Gun, Gun, Garden. That makes it Southern. Yeah, definitely. And it is Southern. It's a margarita. You can't get more Southern. Right. <laughs> yes. Love the margaritas. So we've already kind of been sipping on those, but we have something else that I'm a little terrified of. Yes, you should be. Okay. <laughs> so what's going on here? <laughs> so when uh, we went on vacation in December and we went to a couple of distilleries in Tennessee and we went to the George Dickel distillery and um, they have a special brand of George Dickel that is aged. It's whiskey aged in um, Tabasco barrels. Oh, and they call it hot dickle. <laughs> As you do. So I told Patrice, we have to, we have to try, we it have smells. to sip some hot dickle on the air so that, so that we can, we can share our wonderful experience. I actually loved this when we did our tasting oh, there. Okay. Um, but we'll see how I feel today. Well, it smells really early. good. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Are you going to shoot it? Yeah. All right. Let's shoot it. All ready? Right, one, two, three. <laughs> Ooh, man, the afterburn. Oh, oh. It's got that afterburn. If only we had video. That extra. That's not bad. <laughs> Your face got all scrunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably turning really red right now, too. No, I feel that. I feel it. It's all rising up into my cheeks right now. Yeah. That was really good. And I don't really like, like Jack Daniels. I'm not a big... Like I'm I'm not like I didn't whiskey bourbon. Person. Yeah, I didn't love Tennessee whiskey before, yeah. but it's there. Seriously, there's something about going to the places and seeing how they make it and going through the thing and doing the tasting. Right. But I also I did not want to embarrass myself in front mm. of like whiskey people. Right. So I kind of practiced in advance so that I wouldn't like <laughs> taste this whiskey and be like. Ah. Right. Well, the problem with me is it's too sweet. There's like a yes. sweet aftertaste, but I think that kind of cut it a little bit. So oh, that totally. was more palatable to me. I've been trying to think of drinks that we could, like cocktails that I could mm-hmm. add it to. Oh, yeah. Like maybe a um, Bloody Mary. That was the recommendation from the lady at our tasting. Right. She said, this is great in, in Bloody Mary. I've never had a, this is horrible. I've never had a true Bloody Mary. I'm not I... a big tomato juice person. Mm-hmm. So 
That's always kind of stopped me. But like all the crap that I've seen, like bacon and olives and shrimp. like shrimp and all the things, it's like I'll just eat that and then you know maybe dip it in the I don't know. Every maybe we time have... I we could try a Bloody Mary, but I I think like the whole show I'll just be like because <laughs> I. <laughs> I've tried them so many times because mm-hmm. I really want to you like want them. You want to do it? I want to so bad. But is it, they does it make need me more salt? Gross. Is that the thing? Does the tomatoes need more salt? No, because usually they have like Worcestershire or something like that in there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's that they need more salt. I There's just, that, and it may be a texture. It, it may, may just be, be the tomato-y thing. texture. I just can't. Yeah. So I think that's going to be my hang up on it since, you know. But I, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe have a backup drink if that doesn't hold. Yeah, that's why I always end up with like brunch mimosas. I always have to have backup right. champagne. Backup Gotta have backup champagne. And we champagne. have that. <laughs> Make sure that we have a bottle in the fridge at all times. So cheers. I love the sound of this, these rocks in this margarita glass. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. actually my wedding china here. Really? We're being oh all my fancy. gosh, I feel so, I'm, I'm honored. I'm just trying to use everything, you know. It's <laughs> just gonna sit there and collect dust. So yeah, I don't. I, I specifically asked not to get wedding china. I think my parents and or my aunt and uncle asked me in advance if I was gonna do if I was gonna have china or if I had a pattern. And I was right. like, I don't know. Like, go to Pier One, go yeah. to Pier One, and get me something. And I've already thrown away the plates that we got for our wedding because they were really huge. Right. Anyway, and they were brown. Mm. And I love that at is, the time. But such is strange. the trend. It mm-hmm. was the trend at the time. Oh yeah, and they were gorgeous. They were really gorgeous, and I liked them very much. But like, not practical. Taste change. Not practical. They don't even fit in the cabinets we have now. We moved into our house, and it's like our cabinets are like four inches narrower than <laughs> they used to be in Orlando. So. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, so yay! Those are our drinks for the week. Ooh, and this this is like really good stout tequila. Yes, it is. Um, it's going to be an interesting show. Contro, yes. I'm going to sit here and drink the whole time, and by the time I get ready to tell my story, I may be awake. That's... <laughs> we're going to be We're going to have to pace ourselves, because I've, I've got, uh-huh. like... I made sure to type this out, because there are a lot of little details in this one, and I didn't want to, like... I I know that I play fast and loose with the facts. I do. This is as like you do as you, you do. And stories. That's our disclaimer at exactly. the beginning. But I wanted to get as close to accurate as possible on this because it's like I know a bunch of the people that listen to the podcast are super local, like right around where we are, and they know Correct. this shit like that. Oh, absolutely. So yes. I can't. Which is it's been them. really interesting because the locals, um, hearing back from them about like little tidbits and whatnot. Um, which is part of some of the post-mortem I want to yes. go over. Yes. And this is, you know, I kept getting feedback about the Chocolaca monster. And one of the first feedbacks that you got was... Was that when I interrupted <laughs> to say, oh my God, Chocolaca Road, is that road that's all windy and I can't believe people didn't die? The reason people didn't die was because that was not Chocolaca Road I was talking about. <laughs> that's all right. But we were on the exact same way. We like, were. I was thinking that was it. But yes, my friend Teresa texted me the other day and all the text said was, it was Cataquilla, not Chocolaca. And I was like, oh shit, she's right. Like yeah. I was talking about Cataquilla Road, which is super whiny and terrifying. Right. Chocolaca Road is like a straight shot. It's straight. It's very straight. And so, you know, you told me about that. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Totally got the wrong road. And I was looking up more about the Chocolaca monster that we were talking about after the Alabama Bigfoot story that we did in episode two, two, maybe something. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And the Daily Show actually covered the Chakalaka Monster. So, of course, I had to watch that. And, of course, anytime you watch something produced by anything professional up north about the South, mm-hmm. you kind of, like, initially start out with that cringe. Like, oh, hell, what are we getting into? Like, who did they pick? But it's all satire. The people, I'm pretty sure, were in on it as well that they interviewed and whatnot, mm-hmm. talking about the Chakalaka Monster. And they never did name Alabama. Um, oh, really? They I said, didn't notice that. They said that it was the state next to Mississippi. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> the state <laughs> Which is Mississippi. kind of like a reverse from what they usually do. They usually don't name Mississippi and they talk about Alabama. But anyway, so supposedly the man wasn't dressed up in a Bigfoot. It, it's kind of a funny little spoof if you want to watch another little kind of poking fun at country folk Um folklore kind of thing um, and it was when john stewart was doing the um daily show oh i miss those days and so he um so they did a little spoof on it and the guy and i don't know if it really was like the official guy that did this he didn't dress up in a bigfoot he wore a black cape and had like this huge cow skull mm-hmm. which to me is even more terrifying yes. because if something like that followed me i'd be like satanist ah! <laughs> and you know running my ass off the road i'm sure but it'd be kind of hard to run off the road on chakalaka you'd just be driving through a field unlike katakula you would die yeah, okay. that was it because it's there's a little bit where they interview him and he puts on the yeah the and he cape like shows and the, the cow the... head and like dances around in the <laughs> right. It's it kind of awesome. kinda, yeah, if you look up Chakalaka Monster Daily Show John Stewart, you'll find it. Or maybe I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I love Trevor Noah, but I loved John Stewart so much. Yes. Oh. So any more? Do we have any more things before we get rolling? I don't think so. I don't. I didn't have anything like. I don't think I had it. Y'all can correct me. Y'all message me or, you know, write it on our Facebook if we forget. And don't forget, you can always propose ideas to us, too. Oh, absolutely. And we I, we share some of those periodically on Facebook, just random stuff. Like my friend Vicky sent me this information about the doll's head trail in Atlanta. So <gasps> yes. follow us on Facebook and check that out. Because if you're anywhere near Atlanta, it sounds like this is the a terrifying and also beautiful by other reports mm-hmm. little trail to go on. And I'm going to have to do it right and, and i kind of read where they started it because they were just using found objects and yes. creating like sculptures out of found objects and everything which yeah is really and that's cool. and they invite people to like add to the art of the trail but it was apparently people i don't know see this is the this is the baffling part about it apparently people just disposed of a whole bunch of dolls there but i guess it was near maybe it was near a landfill i think is what what i was told i'm, I'm oh, not okay. sure but yeah it's like the pictures are creepy as shit but mm-hmm. uh you can also you know people can use found objects to create found object art there also and leave it there for other people to see so that's kind of cool so you know what I, I think we're gonna have to do what and this just came to me and i'm surprised i hadn't discussed this with you off the air mm. i'm just gonna throw this out there are we gonna have to fight like on on the mic <laughs> no i think <laughs> we need to do a travel guide mm. but i already have atlas obscura <laughs> We do you need to do that? our special the travel strange travel. south the travel strange guide. south travel guide it needs we're to be funnier than atlas obscura <laughs> some <laughs> at least days. we think we are i mean just the tequila it's almost yeah it's almost with it's me it's like the drunk <laughs> travel guide <laughs> the hot dickle travel guide and we'll just like go from bar to like obscure place to bar to obscure so we'll like pepper it with different local bars i 
That oh, could be a thing. This is an amazing idea. Hell, we could start in Anniston because as we know, <sighs> there's some haunted places down on Noble Street. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I had an idea that I hadn't run by you yet either. And I, <laughs> here's my So I thought, you know, um, Mardi Gras is late this year. Yeah, it really is. Like but running yeah, in March. That's what I was like. Mardi Gras can't be like the beginning of March, but that's when it is. Oh, no, like no, the no. Beginning, Hold of March. On. beginning of February. No. Usually it's the beginning of February. I swear to God, I looked it up yesterday and it said it was like March 4th. Are you serious? Because it's all based on like the Lenten season. So it just depends on like when Easter falls and how many weeks there are. I don't okay. know. It shouldn't be that different, should it? I might be crazy. This okay. could be next week's postmortem. But regardless, right. when because they're already making king cakes everywhere. But those right. are also things that people like and look forward to all year. So it could just be for fun. Okay. Anyway, anyway, the whole point, right? We should we should plan on doing like whenever whatever week falls around Mardi Gras, like either before or after, because we don't usually do Tuesdays. But right. um, we should plan on both doing like New Orleans centered stories, absolutely, or Mobile if we want to go with you know the right. original because Mobile is yeah purportedly the original Mardi Gras origin. So either origin. of those would work. Yeah, but we should do that. We, we should, should totally we should have do a that. Mardi Gras themed sort of, and I've then we'll got the mask. We can wear the mask, throw the beads, beads and drink Luna. hurricanes. <gasps> yeah, there we go. Plum We've deal. already got it. Oh my god, this is so easy. That is so easy. Podcasting is easy. <laughs> Patrice is the one who does all the work. <laughs> um. All right. Now that we've got our ideas. Oh, we're so, we're so, we're pumped. We're going to be like, We are pumped. Oh, well, I am dying to hear your story, mm-hmm. first of all, because you have been like hinting at it. You went on fucking location. I did. And if you like, follow I us on this. Instagram, I posted a video of me on location And yesterday. I'm still stumped as far as, of course, I didn't go poking around because I wanted it to be a surprise. Yes. Yeah. Well, this, um, so yeah, I have been hinting about this all week. This idea has been in my head since we first started the podcast because my friend Courtney had said when I said, hey Patrice wants to do this podcast and it will include like weird things in the south hauntings murders whatever and um and she said oh you know my my stepfather like worked with at one point or was because he was a guard I believe and he um he was a guard for a a female serial killer in Fort Payne and she's like I need to message my mom and find out because she remembered her name but she didn't remember a whole lot about the case and she wanted specifically to get her mom's take on it and so way back when we first started way back way back like five episodes back like you know a month ago (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) she messaged her mom I'm gonna read you the whole text no well no I'm not gonna read you the whole text that um that mama sent back because i mean if you can patrice can see me right now i'm like scrolling 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 she's a super texture and there are actually three texts that are this long but i'm going to read you the first one in her words because they're from um fife alabama which is near fort Payne. so when this happened this happened this all hit the fan in 1982 wow that's more recent it's fairly recent right and it's a it's actually a big deal i was really surprised i'd never heard of it before so um courtney had messaged her mom and her mom wrote back she wasn't a serial killer she helped which i would i'm gonna argue that later some of this stuff we will um was maybe a tad misremembered but we uh some of this stuff i'll clarify because i'm going to tell this whole story in a second she helped her husband kidnap a 13 year old girl from rome georgia they took her to the DeSoto Park Little River Canyon area, raped her, tortured her, shot Drano God. into her veins. Oh, my pushed God. Pushed her off a cliff. <gasps> the woman's name was Judith Ann Neely, forgot her husband's name, had one or two children, 
Robert French, attorney in Fort Payne, was court-appointed her lawyer, but because he had people to style Judith's hair, bought her clothes from expensive, exclusive Blacks, that's the name of the um, department store, Blacks in Fort Payne, owned by the Blacks related to my Uncle William, she said, people turned against French, threatened his family, ruined his practice for a while, but he's still an attorney there. People made up all kinds of stories saying the jail gave her a big jail cell with color TV, all false per Charles, which was um, was her her stepdad. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote Charles a letter thanking him for being kind to her after she was serving a life sentence in Julia Tutwiler prison. That's a spoiler, but not too much of a spoiler. Up for parole, but such an uproar from people, they denied it. That's actually not true. Um, but she said her friend Laurel, who's a pharmacist, went on tour of the prison while she was in high school, saw her just filing her nails like she didn't have a care in the world. Part of her defense was that her husband abused her and made her help kill the little girl. With love, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so that was the... Uh, that was the text. That was the text that got me started thinking about this because I was like, Aww. it was, it's, and they called it the Drano murder when it first <sighs> came out in oh the news what in the Fort fuck Payne. would like, uh, why, why? Why? I, I mean, you, you already have them there. So it's, it's. I don't. Okay, I know. It's like it's baffling, and that's that's really what got me pursuing this because I was like, "How the fuck? Like, who does this?" Right. And and that's the part I'm caught up. I'm not caught up on the rape or anything. Like, I should be totally like. Oh, I know. It's like the whole thing around this whole thing is the sad thing is like rapes happen all the time, which is like awful. Right. And it's not like we're desensitized, but we might be a little. We might be a little bit not desensitized. No, we do not need to be desensitized. But Drano. Yeah. So um, this woman was actually uh, the the woman who was prosecuted for all this. Her name was Judith Ann Adams when she was born in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And um, her dad died when she was nine. She was, he was in a motorcycle accident, I think. And she and her mom had it pretty hard. Like they, they lost a lot of income and everything because of it. But she was like, she was a bold person. She was like an aggressive person. And she was super intelligent. And at 15, she was an honor roll student. She was a eighth grade cheerleader. You know, she was, she's doing pretty well. Right, outgoing. And, um, but that's when she met Alvin Neely. And that was 1979. And one of his friends had wanted to go meet this woman that he'd been talking to on the CB radio. Because one of the ways that, um, that the Adams family was supplementing their income was mama was always on the CB talking to truckers and having them come over at all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they lived in a double wide that didn't have a whole bunch of separate rooms. And so everything that's going on with mama is going on in Judith's ears every night. Right. And day. Right. Um, so Alvin and his friend pull up at the trailer and this 15 year old Judith, Judith Adams walks right up to the car up to the open window, introduces herself, starts a conversation and everything like that. This dude, Al, is 26 years old. He's already married. He already has three kids. Damn. But the two, he's talking with this 15-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's, you know, before long, they're having these intimate conversations. Mm-hmm. He's saying, oh, I don't so much care for my wife anyway. And um, they started this intense affair. Like, and at this point, you know, per her, I mean, as far as we know, she's, completely virginal at this point you know this is her first relationship serious relationship i guess maybe and um they end up running off together and because he was an immature an extremely immature 26 year old it sounds like would have to be and he was raised in like an affluent not maybe not an affluent situation but he never had to worry about having his needs met as a kid Mm -hmm. and so he just he 
he grew up like a pampered boy, it sounds like, and just never really cared to keep jobs to the point where they would sustain him. Right. So you've got a 15-year-old girl and a 26-year-old guy, you know, running around. Basically, before long, they start getting jobs at convenience stores just so they can rob them and um, passing checks that are bad, forging checks, stealing things. Um, So they started to the point where they're going around um, mostly like Tennessee, Georgia, some in Florida, changing jobs, living in hotels. Um, and in Ringgold, Georgia in 1980, they got married. Um, yeah, that's right. And then after that, how old would they be about that time? In 1980, she was 16 Mm -hmm. and he was 27. He was just turning 27. Okay. And, um, she was already pregnant. I think when they got married, I'm not sure. All right. And, uh, they, after that, they traveled again through Georgia and Florida because nothing, you know, nothing really changed. And she is definitely pregnant when they were both arrested and charged with armed robbery because Judy held up a woman at gunpoint in the parking lot of the Riverbend Mall in Rome. Oh, wow. For money. And it's funny because at one point I got this book. This book is actually the source of a lot of my information on this. I Like Murderpedia is always awesome. The internet has tons of stuff on this. But this book is called Early Graves and it's by Thomas Cook. So a lot of my information comes from there that you can't find other places necessarily. But one of the things that he had said... Um, was that people in jail often say like that armed robbers are the ones that you stay away from in jail. I could ask my, my brother-in-law's a, like a correctional officer. So I could ask him if that's true, but they said like armed robbers are the ones you look out for because that is a super ballsy, super dangerous route to decide to take. Right. And it was Judith that walked up to this woman in a parking lot, like eight months pregnant with a gun. Right. Well, yeah. Serial killers, I think they start out as they break in, as breaking mm-hmm. and entering um, into somebody's place and then it escalates from there. Yeah. So. I had heard like a psychologist was talking about that. It's like mm-hmm. they start with smaller things and these guys, um, well, I'll get into that in a second. Okay. So she was pregnant. It turns out she was pregnant with twins. Oh my God. And um, she was 16 years old. And uh, at first she was in like a youth center in Rome because she's, you know, she's only 16 he got sentenced, I think, to, yeah, he got sentenced for uh, five years into the Walker Correctional Institute um, in Lafayette, Georgia. But she got transferred to Macon, Georgia, to this youth development center in Macon. And the twins, I think, were given to his parents at that point. And um, while she was at the YDC, she's like, the two of them were writing all these letters back and forth to another from jail to jail. And they were you know, the, a lot of the letters are related in this book and they're super steamy and they're, you know, they're, a lot of them sound like a 16 year old talking about her boyfriend and it's, mm-hmm. they get very jealous very quickly. Like mm-hmm. they escalate into anger with one another because they're assuming they're cheating on each other and saying, I'm going to fuck this person up because this is petty high school stuff. Oh, absolutely. Right? That's totally yeah. what it sounds like. Um, but then um, when she gets out a year later, she and the twins all move in with his parents in Cleveland, Tennessee. And in 82, in April, when he gets out, he joins them. Um, And she's been feeding him this line about how, like, she was made to be part of a prostitution ring at the YDC that was run by the staff members there. And um, none of this has ever been proven. They actually, like, really investigated this when she... 
right. you know, when she got arrested because they talked about it then because one of the things they did, you're talking about people starting with smaller crimes and moving up. Well, they'd already done the armed robbery and the forging and the like robbing, robbing convenience stores. Then they went to Macon and they firebombed the house of one of those staff members and they shot four times into the house of another one of the staff members. And Damn. both times they called the house of the person to make sure that they knew why they were doing it. Like you, you molested my girlfriend. He called one of them and she called the other one and said, you know, I just want you to know you're going to die tonight. Damn. So, I mean, that's how they started out. Like as soon as he gets out, you know, mm-hmm. they must have started planning this because all this stuff started happening in like September of 1982. He had just gotten out in April of 1982. And um, before long, though, they were stealing checks. They were living in hotels again and running around and doing this stuff. So after they do this firebombing and the shooting into the house thing, um, they started this new routine. And this is where things get really like creepy as shit. She drives this striped Dodge Charger. It's a brown Dodge Charger with like a light stripe down the back or down the side. And he drives a red, I think, 75 Ford Grenada. And they both got these CB antennas because they they communicate with each other on CB radio. She's driving around with her twins in the back, you know, (sighs) and they're driving around um, mostly Rome at this point. And um, she would go and she would choose a woman to approach. And she would walk up to this person and she would say, are you Michelle or are you Phyllis or are you Kathy? And that would be the way that she starts, like she gets into their, Mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of forcing herself into conversation by pretending that she knows who they are. Right. And then when they say, no, my name is this, you know, she's like, well, you know, I'm new to town. I've just been kind of riding around and I'm pretty lonely. I was just wondering if you'd want to ride around with me. And I (laughs) swear to God, like I'm sitting here thinking like, this is 1982. I was like, in 1982, I was four years old and every fucking He-Man cartoon had like a, a like cautionary message at the end about not getting into strangers' cars. Right. I was like, where did we feel the children of the 70s that like, <laughs> anybody would get into the car with this Absolutely, woman? Absolutely. <laughs> but right? I was like, because it's all after school specials from here on out. But so uh, this and, and she was kind of they didn't keep themselves up super well. You know, they're living mm-hmm. in hotels and they don't have like disposable income really. And right. so they're, even though they're in hotel, they're living out of their cars. They don't have a whole lot of clothes to change into and they're not really taking care of themselves. So you're talking about the six foot tall woman with dark hair and buck teeth who looks pretty, um, peaked, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she's got dark circles under her eyes. She looks like she doesn't sleep and her clothes are always kind of dirty. Well, even if, even if you were living in the best of situations, she's got twins. Yeah. So, oh my God, seriously. That's where the dark circles come from. Right. I'm like, no question. And they're two years old at this time, oh I guess. God. Um, or at the not quite. Yeah. In 1982. Yeah. They're two years old. You know, she's not like a person that she, she's a little off putting, but, and this means a lot of people said no to this kind of advance. And I say a lot because I'm like, I'm convinced there are a lot of people that they approached because mm-hmm. when you go through the list of people that the police knew about her approaching, like there was a right. woman in an arcade at the mall that um, happened like right around this time, right at the very beginning of it, who like ended up telling police that she was just sorry she didn't give the woman a Christian witness because mm-hmm. she knew that she was all like, she could tell that there was something wrong with her. Right. But, you know, she wasn't going to go with her. Right. And, um, so, you know, there was there was her and then, I mean, they, there were four other people that they were aware of had seen her and tried to get picked up by her and didn't take the bait, right. who reported it to police. So God knows how Thank many there God. were that didn't report it. Oh, and this God. was all in the course of like a two or I think a two week period. So they had already like got their plans set up. This it is sounds what we're like, doing. yeah, they knew what they were doing. Mm. Um, so um, 
lots of women said no to this, even, even when she insisted and, um, you know, when she got out of the car and said, you know, come with me, I really need, you know, a lot of people said no, but not everybody said no. So on the 25th of September, Judith was at the Riverbend Mall again. She came upon 13-year-old Lisa Ann Milligan, who was alone at the mall. Um, she was originally from Lafayette, but she was staying at the Harpst Home for Troubled Girls in Cedartown, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And she had actually convinced her um, her uh, teachers, I guess, to take a trip to the mall for the afternoon. All the girls from their you know age group went to the mall for the afternoon. And um, they were all supposed to stay with a buddy, but she managed to end up by herself. And she thought, she told Judith that she thought she'd been left behind. That's, that's Judith's story. Other people say they think that Lisa was trying to use this as a way to get away. Like that this was the beginning of a runaway plan because she didn't like it there. Right. Um, But for whatever reason, Judith saw her alone and offered her a ride and she took it. That was the perfect excuse for both of them. Perfect excuse. And the twins are in the back of the car. Right. So she felt safe as a mom. It's it's not that threatening. Right. Um, And then like they had planned, she used the CB to tell Alvin that she'd got somebody in the car. And um, her her handle on the CB was Lady Sundown. His handle was Night Raider. I was like, if you've seen oh pictures God. of this dude, he was no Night Rider. <laughs> like I had crush on Night Rider when I was little, and this dude no Night Rider. He's like like overweight, slobby looking, like uh, doughboy kind of dude. Uh, so. Um, of course, you know, they, they drive around with her for a while. They go to liquor stores and stuff, but then they go back to the motel that they're staying in, of course. And as soon as they get back in the hotel, Judith pulls a gun on her and handcuffs her to the bed. And over the course of the next two and a half days, Alvin rapes her repeatedly um, in two different motels. She has to sleep naked on the floor, handcuffed to the bed. And um, the twins are there the whole time. Oh, my God. That's the thing that really fucks with me about this. I was like, how yes. how is that even... I don't know. This, yes. Yes. So on the 28th, this is a full three days after they picked her up. Um, Judith just decides, okay, that's it. And she loads the kids up and Lisa and drives to Little River Canyon to, and the place that she takes her is this lookout point. It's called Rocky Glade at the time. Like it was, I guess Little River Canyon has gone through a lot of renovations in the last several, like in, even in the last 10 years, but since then just a, a ton of stuff. And, um, so they renamed the place where she uh, this happened. Mm-hmm. And right now, if you ever want to go to Little River Canyon and see where this was, I did it yesterday. All I right. went up to this specific place, and it was an overlook I'd never been to before. It's called Lynn Overlook now. And you take 35 up to Little River Canyon, take a left on 176, and there's a big sign. You can tell exactly where you're going. Right. Um, but, but still pretty secluded. It would have definitely been secluded then. And it's still pretty secluded now. But they've got, they had a parking area and picnic tables there at the time that this happened in the early 80s. But it wasn't, they'd had no fence. You know, this was before they put borders up, I think, around any of the rim of the canyon. Like mm-hmm. no safety, nothing. Um, they had, um, it was a place that was notable because the power lines cut through. And this is, you know, I mean, the canyon is a park. So, you know, it's all heavily forested. So it was not hard to realize that I was in exactly the right place because when power lines go through a place like that, you have to basically raise everything to get them there. Right. And it's weird because the power lines, like they drop over the whole Canyon, which is huge. Right. Um, it's like this big gorge and there's the, the water is just racing around underneath, but the, this place, cre- I have been here a billion times. Like Little River Canyon is my happy place. DeSoto Park, which is nearby DeSoto Falls. That's, those are my happy places. That's where I go when I like want to go hiking and just feel 
good. It makes me happy. I've never been, I go hiking alone there all the time. Never been nervous. Like my friends laugh at me and say like, I shouldn't do it by myself because they're probably right. I don't know. But like, it doesn't bother me. I don't feel frightened there. I drove up to this place and I was fucking creeped out. Mm. And it's partly because I already knew what had happened there, but it's like you drive in and there's this gravel way and it's been raining a lot lately. So there were all these potholes in the gravel and everything was covered in water and everything just looked creepier I think than normal it's really cold and um there are these craggy rocks everywhere so you're not walking on like it's not like you're walking up to the edge on like a bed of pine needles it's like you're walking up on rocks right and it looks very cold and hard and um so you know Judith says the kids were asleep in the car when all this happened she got Lisa out she handcuffed her to a tree And apparently at some point when Alvin had been incarcerated before, like somebody in jail had told him that if you inject somebody with Drano, you can kill them without leaving a trace of why Mm. they died or something. There was something specific they told him that you could do. I was wondering why specifically Drano. Yeah. And, and of course they already had this. I mean, there's no question that this is pre premeditated. They've been planning on doing this to somebody because they already had the syringes. They already had the Drano. And so she injects this 13 year old who's they've already tortured for two days. It once in the neck with Drano and then it doesn't do anything. So she does the other side of the neck and it doesn't do anything. So she does her arm and then her other arm and then both buttocks over the course of more than 30 minutes. She injects this girl with Drano six times God, and it doesn't. it doesn't is she kill not her. in pain or she's did... in horrible pain oh my god because what it does and this is this is awful what it liquefies you <gasps> i mean but just in the area that it was injected so oh. she's basically been turned to jelly in six places and it hurts like fuck it's like burning oh yeah and um and it's not working so finally judas is like oh fuck it and she tells her to stand up and unhandcuffs her and tells her to walk to the edge and then she shoots her in the back and pushes her into the canyon oh. and um there was no evidence ever given that Alvin was even there for any of this. Huh. And, um, you know, she just gets back in the car. You know, she she did actually throw the syringes and the clothes she had wearing had got, uh, her jeans had gotten blood on them when she pushed the girl into the canyon. Mm-hmm. And so she she threw her jeans into the canyon too. But, you know, and then she just gets in the car and they all went out to Waffle House. Seriously. Like, they all went out to breakfast in Fort Payne. And, um... And then she called the Rome police and the DeKalb County Sheriff's Department later that day to tell both of them exactly where the girl was. What the fuck? Like, she's like, she tells them how to get there. She tells them it's where the power lines hit. She tells. And I mean, this not is, that I'm like, like, well, I know, but I was like, that's my thing, too. I was like, why? It does. It never has made any sense to me looking at. I've tried to find like all these records and everything. I cannot figure out why she did that. Right. But um, she had also been. um recorded both of those times when she called and of course you know the police went and they found out you know that it was true and they started investigating and it it they work really really hard on this case obviously obviously but it's horrifying um, it doesn't take them long before they start putting things together and figuring out who this person might be um because mostly because of the way she talks on the tapes when she calls in it's like that's really one of the primary reasons why they know who she is and um how does she talk? I mean, she, accent um, or? No, it was weird. It was because of the way she referred to Little River Canyon in a way that nobody from Fort Payne would ever have said it. Huh. She called. I think she called it a national park, and it's not. And she, oh. there's like nobody in Fort Payne makes that mistake. So they knew it wasn't somebody who was local. local. Right. But um, somebody had overheard the tape recording, and she had said, "Are you y'all looking for that? What did they? What did she say? 
the way that she she said that Lisa had been on run, you're looking for that girl who's on run from the Harpst home. And it doesn't sound that weird, right? But because they figured out that she had been in a youth detention facility, specifically because she said it that way, on run is the way that oh, they refer to people who have like tried to escape yeah, oh, from, wow. from the troubled girl's home. Right. And so they knew from that that she had to have had a history in like in a women's, like in a young women's, um, shelter. And then, uh, there were over the course of the next several days, bunches of people came in to the police to report this strange woman and other things continued to happen. So all that, she killed Lisa Milliken on September 28th. On October 3rd, a woman named Diane Bobo ran out of gas and, um, was in a parking lot tr- trying to call her husband. And one of the stories says that actually Alvin is the one who drove her to the parking lot. He helped her get her car out of traffic, um, and off the side of the road and then drove her to this parking lot to a payphone and then left. And then Judy came oh. to ask her if she knew who she was Right. and, um, tried to pick her up. No luck, but that woman reported it to, to Oh, thank God. Okay. Um, later that same day on October 3rd, they were driving down the side roads. Uh, I think this was still outside Rome. And a guy named John Hancock and um, his girlfriend, Janice K. Chapman, were walking down the road. And she talked them into getting in with her. Mm-hmm. And um, Al met them. And they all rode around for a while in two separate cars. And they talked about being CB people. And they shared their handles and all this kind of stuff. And it was all friendly. And then John asked to go to the bathroom. And um, when he got out, Judith followed him into the woods and like told him, like to go further and told him where to go. And then she shot him in the back. Holy shit. And then Alvin and her took Janice back to the hotel and it ended up being the exact same way they did Mm -hmm. Lisa Milliken. They handcuffed her to the bed. They raped her multiple times. And then they took her into the woods and shot her multiple times in the back and chest. So no more Drano. They're like, no more Drano this time. Cause she knew it didn't work. Right. Um, and, but John Hancock actually, was alive when she left him and she didn't know. Oh, wow. So the boyfriend like got up out of the woods and went into the road and flagged down a car and went to the police and the police didn't believe his story. But while he was there, two other people, the woman had tried to, that Judith had tried to pick up were also in the police department Mm -hmm. and they all overheard them replaying the tape of her calling in the death of Lisa Milliken. And they were like, that's the voice of the woman that grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And so they put it all together just because everybody happened to be there be reporting at it place. at the same time. Right. Um, and one of the people was able, like another 13 year old who apparently had seen after school specials and said no to the woman <laughs> who was picking her up in the car, um, gave a super detailed description of what she looked like. Right. So they were able to put a, put together a lineup. And this is what was hilarious. They actually, I think it was to the Youth Development Center that they called and said, do you have any pictures of this woman when they thought she might be the one? And it was 200 miles away, whichever place it was they called. And I, this is before the internet, right? Right. So they had like a convoy of police cars with their sirens blaring, racing down the highway at 200, 200 miles away to get them these photos to put in this lineup. Oh, wow. And, um, so it turns out Judy was arrested at a hotel outside Murfreesboro on October 9th, not because the police got her for Lisa Milliken, but because they had finally gotten her for passing forged checks. Oh, damn. And um, Al came to the police department a couple days later to visit her because he had no idea that they knew anything about the murders. Right. And they arrested him while he was visiting her in the parking lot. And... Um, because they were putting together the murders. They were then. putting together the murders just it, by happenstance, sort of, that it all kind of converged at the same time. Right. Um, and turns out, on top of all that, hold on, there was actually a woman in the bathroom of the hotel room when the police came to it 
to arrest Judith Neely, who they had picked up on the side of the road and were going to do exactly the same way. She had had sex with Alvin multiple times the night before. And he was in the bathroom holding her at gunpoint when <sighs> Judith got arrested and they Damn. took her away. Uh-huh. And um, he... This is one of the reasons why, like, you know, she was the mastermind behind stuff. That woman got let go because, you know, Alvin didn't have the balls to kill anybody. Like oh. he like she always said, like, he just wanted to do the raping. Yeah. He was she was like, I'm getting these girls for you. I'm getting these girls for you. And, you know, I don't he's absolutely not exonerated. Like, you've got to have something fucked up in your head if you're going to be part of this at all. Right. And you've got to you are making like a choice yeah, every time. No, no, so totally he's absolutely at fault. But as far as the person who like pushed the, the designs forward, mm-hmm. there's no question it was her because this girl got let go. And if Judy hadn't got arrested that day, she would have been dead, too. There's wow. no question. Um, and both of them were they passed evaluations at Bryce Hospital where they took Viola Hyatt, Mm -hmm. um, that you talked about. Right, in Tuscaloosa. They were both declared competent to stand trial. And they even said, like, that um, Judith, like, they both, they had, there was nothing psychiatric that would cause either of them to have a trouble seeing right from wrong. And so, what is it, sociopath? Yeah. And and they they passed all those. Like, they said they didn't have any mental deficiencies and they had no, like, psychiatric reason why they shouldn't have been able to tell what was wrong. And they said she's actually also highly intelligent. Right. Which is what they say of the serial killers who are, what is it, sociopaths? Yeah. I mean, she sounds like a sociopath right. to me. Um, and that, you know, of course, you know, as, as Mama said in the text, the trial was super sensational. It was all about town in Fort Payne. It was a huge deal. Judy gave birth to her third child during the trial. And the argument that her defense lawyer, Robert French, who the text mentioned, he was um, required to take that case. And he was required to take it out of his own pocket. He ended up losing $320,000, like defending that case. But he was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way. He didn't want anybody to die from the death penalty. He just didn't want her to go to the electric chair. Right. But like his argument was 100% the battered woman argument, like Mm -hmm. Alvin did everything. You know, she was beaten. She was clever. She told all these Mm -hmm. stories. And, um, And at one point, you know, he was telling, he was talking to her on the stand and her prosecutor, who I think you pronounce his name, I go, it's I go or ego. It's like I G O U. That's the reason I avoid Mm -hmm. saying it because I have no idea how you say that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, she's telling this sob story about how Alvin beat her with a baseball bat or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she's being asked questions and she drops her head into her hands and she looks like she's crying and everything. And the prosecutor's like, you know what? You only live once. And he's like, I object. And he asked the judge, ask her to take her face out of her hands. Mm-hmm. And he, the judge complied and she lifted her face and it was dry as a bone. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't cry once until she got put on death row. The youngest woman in America ever to be put on death row at 18 years old Damn. was sentenced to death for what she did. And um, and yeah, mama was right. The parole, like she, it was commuted to life in prison in 1999 by the governor. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she was for some reason by some stroke of mismanagement, she was actually eligible for, for parole. And she waived her own hearing last year for that. Um, she's still in prison. Um, but she said she didn't want to do any more harm to the Milliken family. And, you know, it makes her sound like a saint, right? But like, mm. 10 years ago, I think it was like, she was also involved in like a suicide pact with somebody outside the prison who had been sending her letters and visiting her and everything like that. A woman in Gadsden who shot herself because she'd been talking to this fucking woman in prison. Oh my God. So I'm like, she's still fucking people up from where she is. Yes. And, um, 
And it's funny, you know, the first thing you said was, why does somebody do this, right? Why? And they have never gotten to a motive for her. They have never, like she said it was for Alvin, but it wasn't about sex. Like one of the, one of the people that used to know her, like before she did this stuff said that she was all about dominating people. Yeah, I was just going to say it was about, about power because her. that's what they say mm-hmm. with serial killers. It's all about the motive for power. Mm-hmm. And then there was one, one of the investigators in the case in the book that I read actually said like, you know, the prosecutor was like, I just don't get why. I just don't understand the why. And the, the investigator looked at him and just said, she was just one mean bitch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Holy that fuck. is the fucking story. And there's so much more that I didn't even say. Like, <sighs> you cannot believe how, like, deep this story goes. There are so many. And Alvin says there are other people. There are other women that, that she or they did this to that, that the police don't know about. But Shit. We don't, so we have no idea how many people. And that's why when they say she wasn't a serial killer, she definitely killed two people by her own hand who were unrelated. She would have been, though. But she would have absolutely been. Absolutely. I believe so, that. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. So that woman's terrifying. Oh my God. That and is that's terrifying. That's why I've been obsessed with this story. I've been like, oh my God, I've got to get this one. Yes. See, that scares me more than the one that I'm fisting to do, which kind of horrified me. I'm excited. I want to know what it is. <laughs> that, that, that is horrifying. People are horrifying. People, I, this is what I tell Seriously? my son. People are the real monsters. Oh, my God. That's why I was like, I think I have to go back to ghost stories because mm-hmm. I can always tell myself a ghost aren't real if I want to. But I cannot say Judith Neely isn't real. Right. And that's horrifying to me. Exactly. She uh, shouldn't be. But she is. She is. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. Yes. Because I need to refill. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Is it a little stout? Yeah. <laughs> I accidentally doubled the vodka. I mean, the tequila. <laughs> Whatever. Clear it's, liquor. It, yeah. It's, it's very tequila. <laughs> it's very tequila Okay, let me get one more sip because I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Mm. Yum. Oh, my God. Yes. I love tequila. I think this is clearing my congestion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely making me feel warm on this very cold ass day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So I'm pretty sure I, I totally fucking had no clue about yours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm when you posted that yesterday, I'm, I'm like, okay, I could probably look up to see if there's anything funky. It's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm not going to spoil it for me because I so excited to hear because i knew how excited you were and you like fucking read a book i'm like well, i'm not fucking reading a book <laughs> true crime Although, is a fast read though man <laughs> yeah it was the book like a compilation of different or just that one um story or one oh no it was murder. just about them oh wow yeah it was just about them and it's not the only book actually the guy who was the, the defense lawyer for her Oh, the one that was buying her nice book. clothes that mm-hmm. she had manipulated into buying. I totally believe that she was, she manipulated him. She may very well have. And like the whole Especially town. if he spent like 30 something thousand dollars on the, def- I mean, fuck. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it's a weird story. And part yeah. of the reason, that's part of the reason I wanted to get his book. But I was like, it was $20 on Amazon. And then I found yeah, out I could get this one at the library. And I was like, I'm going to do this one instead. I can't read two books. Too much. Right. Too much. Right. <laughs> No. Well, I bet you I could have gone to the library and found information on this because this is America's greatest ghost story. Ooh. Which I'm sure that's arguable, but it's been known (laughs) as America's greatest ghost story. So much information, so much conflicting, weird information about this. 
um, so much documented information. Mm. I know I'm scratching the surface. But in the early 1800s, John Bell moved his family from North Carolina to a community in Robertson County near the Red River in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. This became Adams, Tennessee, which of right now has a population of 633. And it's north of Nashville. It's like right south of the Kentucky border, Kentucky-Tennessee line. Okay. So Bell purchased some land and a large house for his family. Over the next several years, he acquired more land, increasing his holdings to over 300 acres. And he cleared a number of fields um, for planting. So farmer, large family, large house. He was also made the elder of the Red River Baptist Church. I'm having to really enunciate because I feel like I'm at that line right now. I'm going to start slurring my words. (laughs) The tequila line. The tequila line. Okay, so the Bells, they moved there, and they already had three older sons. But when they moved there, they had three more children moving into Tennessee. Elizabeth, named Betsy, was born in 1806, and then came Richard and Joel. God, I'm so glad I didn't live there. And, like, six children and those, like, (sighs) oh, my God, that poor woman. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes, absolutely. So one day in 1817, John Bell was inspecting his cornfield when he encountered a strange-looking animal sitting in the middle of the corn row. Shocked by the appearance of this animal, which had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit, Bell shot it several times. This This is on record, right? So he shot it several times. I don't know if he hit it or not. Um, shocked. Let's see. Shocked by the appearance of the animal. Oh, I already said that. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> Tequila. <laughs> Tequila. <laughs> Bell shot it. Da, da, da. The animal vanished. Bell thought nothing more about the incident, at least not until dinner. That evening, the bells begin hearing beating sounds in outside walls of their log house. And also during this time, his son had reported seeing a strange bird that was more large than normal that's abnormally large Hmm. and they also this was pre-civil war so they had slaves one of the slaves named dean reported on having a black dog follow him and he took an axe to that black dog and he split his head in two oh my god and then he said later on the black dog or the dog had two heads and started following him so just like some weird fucked up shit starts happening right but they start like having these beatings on the house. Okay. The mysterious sounds continued with increased frequency and force each night. Bell and his sons often hurried outside to try to catch the culprit, but always returned empty handed. In the weeks that followed, the Bell children began waking up frightened, complaining of rats gnawing on the bedpost. Not long after that, the children began complaining of having their bed covers pulled off of them and their pillows tossed on the floor by a seemingly invisible entity. As time went on, excuse me, (laughs) burp break. That's right. The bells began hearing faint whispers of voices, too, which were too weak to understand. And this is really, this. This whole thing, when I started, like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not do this. It freaks me out. I don't want to read any more <laughs> about this. It's like, this is shit you don't want to, like, mess with kind mm. of stuff. And so the more and more I started investigating, of course, I'm by myself. It's nighttime in the room. And it's like when your clothes on the chair starts looking like a figure sitting there staring at oh you. And you're God. sitting here, like, 
hearing about things whispering voices and you're just like, fuck, what did I do? I'm definitely the cowardly lion of this relationship, Marlo. <laughs> yeah. God. Okay. So it was too weak to understand, but sounded like a feeble old woman singing hymns. Oh. The encounter escalated and the Bell's youngest daughter, Betsy, who was about 11 at the time, began experiencing brutal encounters with this invisible entity. It would pull her hair and slap her relentlessly, leaving like whelps and handprints on her face. The disturbance which John Bell told his family to keep secret um, eventually escalated to the point that he decided to share his family troubles with his closest friend and neighbor, James Johnston. I don't know if it's Johnston or Johnson. Anyway, JJ. <laughs> My buddy JJ. So he's telling JJ. Johnson, who was known for his robust power of prayer, um, <laughs> you came don't say over. That often, do you? <laughs> yes. Came over with his wife and spent the night at the Bell's home where they subject they were subjected to the same terrifying disturbances that the Bell had experienced. Oh wow. Having bed covers removed and being slapped repeatedly, Johnston or Johnson uh, sprang out of bed, exclaiming, "In the name of the Lord, who are you, and what do you want?" And there was no response. But the remainder of the night was relatively peaceful. In the morning, he told John Bell that that was a spirit, just like out of the Bible. However. Despite the initial aggravation, the spirit developed a strange affection for J.J. <sighs> and often called him Old Sugar Mouth. <laughs> nuh <laughs> The spirit just likes to be bossed around a little bit, <laughs> slapped right. around. Exactly. So the entity's voice strengthened over time to the point in which it was loud and unmistakable. It sang hymns. It quoted scripture. It carried on intelligent conversation and once even quoted word for word two sermons that were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. What the hell? I don't know, right? I'm getting chills just thinking about this. I'm sitting here thinking, so I bet you, did they sit down probably and like when they could hear it, they would write down whatever they would hear and then they would, they had to have, right? I, I, I have no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Word of this supernatural phenomenon soon spread outside the settlement, even to Nashville, where the then Major General Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson <gasps> took a keen interest. No, mm-hmm. did he kill it? He was really good at just killing shit. Yeah, but wait, <laughs> right? So. John Bell's three eldest sons had fought with General Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans, which that was like 1815-ish, I think, around. So this was right before all this shit started happening in 1817. Mm-hmm. So in 1819, Jackson decided to visit the Bell Farm and see what all the hoopla was about as Jackson's entourage, and this was like several men, some well-groomed horses and a wagon, approached the bell property the wagon stopped all of a sudden the horses wouldn't go any further after several minutes of cursing and trying to coax the uh, horses into pulling the wagon jackson proclaimed by the eternal boys that must be the bell witch (laughs) oh wait i've heard of this the bell witch i don't know why i didn't make that connection before with john bell oh my god then a disembodied 
I always want to say disemboweled, but it's disembodied. <laughs> a female voice told Jackson that if they if they could proceed, oh, that they could proceed, and she would um, see them later again that evening. They were then able to go to the house where Jackson and John Bell had a long discussion about them Indians. Really, that's what you talk about? Like your horses yes, couldn't yours. get there, and this like a like woman's voice came out of the sky and talked to you, and you get there and you talk about the damn Indians. Are you yes. serious? Yep. Fucking Andrew Jackson. I know. And other topics while Jackson's entourage waited to see if the entity was going to manifest. One. <laughs> this makes me laugh. One of the men claimed, and this is why, like, I was really creeped out when I was researching, but then I read this account, and I'll give all the websites, like, where I'm getting all this information. There's several, but there's several that are kind of funny, and, and this version is kind of funny here. One of the men claimed to be a witch tamer. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. He's got his own I'm going to tell you how he tamed some <laughs> witches, okay? After several <laughs> uneventful hours... He pulled out a shiny pistol mm-hmm, and, pro- yep. <laughs> and proclaimed that it had a silver bullet that would kill any evil spirit that it came in contact with. He went on to say that the reason nothing had happened to them was because whatever had been disturbing the bells was scared of his silver bullet. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Euphemism oh much? <laughs> this is the first douchebag in recorded history. <laughs> oh my gosh, I highly doubt that. <laughs> now terrified of Witch Tamer's silver bullet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that wasn't it. Um, so immediately the man screamed and then began jerking his body in different directions, complaining that he was being stuck with pins mm-hmm. and beaten severely. A strong, swift kick to the man's posterior region from an invisible foot sent him out the front door. (laughs) Angry, the entity then spoke up and announced that there was yet another fraud in the Jacksons' party and that he would identify uh, and torment the following evening. Oh, and that he would be identified and tormented the following evening. I can't read (laughs) y'all. Now terrified... Jackson's men began to leave the Bell Farm, but Jackson, on the other hand, insisted on staying, as Jackson would, so that he could uh, ascertain who was the other fraud. The men eventually went outside to sleep in their tents, but continued to beg Jackson to leave. What happened next wasn't really clear, but Jackson and his entourage were spotted in nearby Springfield early the next morning, so apparently they got the hell out of there. (laughs) And presumably en route to Nashville. I bet he was the fraud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Over time, Betsy Bell, who was like in not even a teenager at this point, became interested, or maybe she was like pre-teens, just became like 13-ish around, not, not really exact date, but this kind of happened between she was 11 and 15. It's kind of her age range. Um, range. So she became interested in this Joshua Gardner, a young man who lived not far from her. With the blessing of their parents, they decided to marry. Everyone was happy about their engagement, except for the entity. For other reasons, unknown to this day, repeatedly told her not to marry Joshua Gardner. Hmm. Apparently he is no good. (laughs) Or he's really good. Or he's really good, right? (laughs) Betsy and Joshua's, oh, here's, this is fucked up. Betsy's and Joshua's former school teacher, Richard Prowl, 
Powell. Oh my god, I thought you were saying Richard Pryor. No, like, no. Richard, uh. sorry. Richard, <laughs> Richard Powell had been noticeably interested in Betsy Ew. for some time Ew. and had expressed interest in marrying her when she became older because she was like fucking 11 at the time, right? Ew, 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 ew. By some accounts, Powell, who was 11 years Betsy's senior, was oh a student god. of the occult, although it has not been proven. He was secretly married to a woman in Nashville already, Esther Scott, during the time that he spent at Red River and was expressing his fondness for child Betsy. According to old accounts, Powell politely expressed his disappointment with Betsy's engagement and wished her a long, prosperous marriage with Joshua. What is politely expressed? I politely express I'm my I'm sorry, I'm already married and I cannot marry a child at this time. I feel like I just need to do like... Paul Cord Leghorn. <laughs> oh, I God. I declare. So Betsy and Joshua could not go to the river or the field, or the cave to play. Oh I'm my sure that God. Was like Copulate. Make out without the ent- entity taunting them persistently. Like they should be like, her parents should be like, thank you for babysitting our child <laughs> at this point. Right. Their patients finally uh, reached critical mass on Easter Monday of 1821. So, this is a little out of chronological order when Fissner reads. She was 15 at the time, and they decided to call off their engagement. The disturbances decreased after Betsy ended the engagement, but the entity mm. continued to express its dislike for John Bell and vowed to relentless, relentlessly to kill him. This entity, the Bell witch, did not care for old JB. Mm-mm. JB was like... They should have had JJ come to live with them. Sugar yes, absolutely. JJ them. and JB. Cancel it out. That's right. She definitely rather had JJ than JB here. So Belle had been experiencing episodes of twitching in the face and difficulty swallowing. Swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. I say that, but just wait. Um, I'm like, is this where Belle's palsy comes from? I d- <gasps> Oh, I don't know. We're going to find Interesting out. I'm going to look that up later. Okay. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Difficult swallowing for almost a year and the melody seemed to grow worse with time. So by the fall of 1820, so we've already talked about 1821. So mm-hmm. that was kind of in the future. Okay. All right. So let's go back in the past a little bit. This is where it's just <laughs> weird. Okay. <laughs> so a year earlier... Um, that fall, his declining health had confined him to the house where the entity commenced removing his shoes when he tried to walk and slapped him in the face um, when he experienced seizures. Oh my God, this entity is an asshole. <laughs> Such an <laughs> asshole. Her loud, shrill voice could be heard all over the farm, cursing and chastising old Jack Bell, as she often referred to him. John Bell breathed his last breath on the morning of December 20th, 19, or 1820, after slipping into a coma the day before. Mm-hmm. Immediately after his death, the family found a small vial of unidentified liquid in the cupboard. What? John Bell Jr. gave some to the cat, which instantly died. Now listen, why did he do that? Okay. <laughs> well, the entity then spoke up, exclaiming joyfully, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. <laughs> John Jr. quickly threw the vial into the fire, fireplace where it burst into a bright bluish flame and shot up the chimney. 
<gasps> Very dramatic. Flu powder. Yes. JB's funeral was one of the largest ever in Robertson County, Tennessee. As family and friends began leaving the graveyard, the entity laughed loudly and began to sing a song about a ball of brandy. And it said in her scene, didn't stop until the very last person left the graveyard. The entity's present was almost non-existent after JB died, um, as if its purpose had been fulfilled. Did it just, maybe it followed him wherever he went. Maybe it Oh, did. that's awful. I don't know why I said Hold that. Hold on. There's more. The April... Of 1821, the entity visited John Bell's widow, Lucy, which she liked Lucy. The Bell Witch liked Lucy. And told her that it would return to a visit in seven years. The entity then returned in 1828, as promised. Most of its visits centered around J.B. Jr., who become the entity, whom the entity discussed things such as the origin of life, civilizations, (laughs) Christianity, And the need for mass spiritual awakening. What? Of particular significance were its nearly accurate predictions of the Civil War and other events. The entity said farewell after three weeks, promising to visit John Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years. Okay. The year would have been 1935, and the closest living direct descendant of John Bell at the time was a Nashville physician named Dr. Charles Bailey Bell. Dr. Bell himself wrote a book about the Bell Witch, published in 1934, with no no follow-up was published, and Dr. Bell died in 1945. Hmm. So really nothing much came of that. So we don't know whether that was ever happened or not? Right. Because he wrote it before she was supposed to visit him in 35, so... Who knows? The entity that tormented the Bell family and the Red River settlement for almost 200 years ago is often blamed for unexplained manifestations that occur near the old Bell farm today. The faint sound of people talking, children playing, can be sometimes heard in the area, and it's not uncommon to see candle lights dancing through the dark fields late at night. Photography is especially difficult. Some pictures taken in the area show mist, orbs of light, and other phenomenon including human-like figures who were not present when the picture was taken. Ooh. The cause of the Bell's torment almost 200 years ago is, as well as today's horrid, unexplainable manifestations, remain a mystery. Numerous theories abound. Uh, agreed upon Bell witch enthusiasts, researchers, we will probably never know. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> scary, scary. <laughs> Is this where the witch movie came from? Was this the? Do you think that this I don't was think like this the... Was the witch? But I, I think there were some kind of movies um, that have taken their cue from the Bell Witch. But let's talk about the Bell Witch because this got me curious. Because I knew about the Bell Witch. I knew it was more of a physical manifestation, which scared me to death because mm-hmm. um, it hit people. Because like... it hit people, and and it would do you know, and it claimed to have killed. Um, JB, mm. which who knows? I still want to know why, what, why the fuck do you take a vial and give it to the cat? Like, <laughs> like JB Jr. Dude, right. that's an asshole move. Yeah. <laughs> you might've hated that cat. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about the witch. Why was it called the bell witch? Okay. And why was a witch? It sounds more like a poltergeist. It does. Right? Cause it sounds like everybody could have had a better sense of humor. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so in his book, The Authenticate 
history uh, authenticated, sorry, the authenticated <laughs> history of the Bell Witch. Um, author Martin Van Buren Ingram Ooh. published that the poltergeist's name was Kate. What? After Based the, on what? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, tell me. Okay. After the entity claim at one point to be Old Kate Bats or Old Kate Bats's witch. And continued to respond favorably, favorably to. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you laughed Hold first. Hold on. <laughs> oh God, I just I'm, I'm well, I parched. almost pulled my earphones out of the microphone. So, God, we're a mess over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Garden and Gun, for the perfect margarita. Oh my gosh, it is delicious. So, old Kate Bats was a neighbor of the Bells. Oh, mm-hmm. Kate Bats, notable for her eccentricity enjoyed the notoriety because she was fucking alive when all of this was happening Mm. she was a sympathetic figure um despite her fondness for ill-gained attention she ran her farm independently with the invalid husband and children who gained the reputation of being idle and dim she did not ask for pity in fact she was known for being a wise um for Wise business decisions and financial success. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get through this fucking thing. Hold on. I'm sorry, you did just say business decisions. <laughs> oh my god. Financial success <clears throat> and business decisions. Very good. <laughs> decisions. <laughs> All right. Despite personal hardship. All of her children eventually died before they had families of their own and the family line became extinct. Oh my God, that's awful. I'm like sitting here thinking this woman is badass. Like she can do all this shit at this time with like nobody to rely on. About anybody. And she she deserves to not be haunted by a fucking asshole ghost. Yes. Well, she was. Well, they they were saying she was the ghost. But you said she was alive during it, didn't you? Yes. And the, but... But let's get to that. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll get to this kind of like a pre-postmortem here. <laughs> this is going to be like an hour and 30 minute long podcast. <laughs> and I do not apologize for that. <laughs> okay. So, yes, they all died extinct. Okay. Kate was noted. <laughs> I feel for her here. Was noted for her sharp tongue and mainly secretly called her Miss Malapropt. <laughs> and I'm going to read to you why. For her habitual, inappropriate use of long words. One particular (laughs) notable line that she said once, and she was talking, I don't know who she was talking about here. Oh, no, this was said about her. She kept every path in the neighborhood hot for a month, trying to find the uh, corrigendum... Is that right? Corrigendum, who dared to prolificate her character with the (laughs) spurifications of John Bell's witch. She would show him the perpetuity (laughs) of the constipation of the law. (laughs) I'm sure I fucked that all up, but that's basically what she would say. So... And, and when I was, so I was thinking that maybe she had died before all of this happened because this happened in 1817, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she was alive then. John Bell died in 1820 and she died in 1843. Oh, wow. So she died like 23 years after he died. One interesting thing, though, is that when he moved to the area, that 13 years before the haunting stuff, 
they had a dispute over land. Mm. And I think it got ugly. So I don't know if it either was the family blaming her for whatever was happening or whether she was into a little bit of hoodoo or what. I, I Who knows? How does she have time? How did, I know, with an invalid <laughs> husband and lazy children, children <laughs> and going around like pontificating <laughs> over the corrigendium <laughs> of the... Okay. <laughs> So, there's thoughts on to why the spirit was haunting, you know, this family. And these are kind of some of the, the reasons that was given in some of my research, right? It was a spirit of a Native American whose bones had been disturbed. <gasps> Poultry, okay. guys. That's plaus- plausible, right? Mm-hmm. It was a North Carolina child spirit who was murdered because John Bell did or didn't do something. According to that story, it haunted the family out of vengeance. That sounds vague. It does sound vague. And it seemed a little bit like too jovial to be talking about, oh, sugar mouth. You <laughs> yeah. know, I was going to say, I, it doesn't sound like a child no. spirit. It was the spirit claimed to be, or the spirit claimed to be the soul of an early settler who buried a vast quantity of gold and wanted Betsy to have it. Hmm. Okay, next one. The spirit lost a tooth under the house and couldn't resist until, or couldn't resist, couldn't rest until it was found. A group of men tried <laughs> to find the missing bone, but they learned it was pointless. The spirit mocked those trying to help, and it declared its sole purpose was to torment old Jack, as he called JB. <laughs> I'm missing the tears. last one is like the most ridiculous of all. I think somebody just didn't like their stepmother and throw this in here <laughs> it was just the spirit of an evil stepmother with no connection to the family at all <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> what <is> that? <laughs> how do you get that cinderella oh means the bell witch so that is the story of the bell witch oh my god Tennessee. the evil stepmother the evil stepmother how ridiculous there's a lot of like i mean a lot of stories and documentation about this because apparently it was a th- it was almost like a party trick um i wouldn't say party trick but it was almost like because everybody would come over to visit to witness it and mm-hmm. he lived with this for three years before he died and then um they said like they said it would follow um they they wondered like if it was just like contained to the house Mm -hmm. so they sent betsy to stay with somebody in the community and it didn't follow her to the house but it said it would follow jb and it also claimed that it could follow people and that one oh let me see if i can find it there was one english fellow that came to disprove everything Mm -hmm. and the spirit in a english accent talked to that fellow like his parents did in england and woke him up, um, and he was thinking it was his parents in the room, but it was actually the entity speaking in a, in a British accent, right? <laughs> and so the spirit also claimed to have gone across seas and visited his parents, pretending to be him. So the guy had corresponded. He, he left, and the guy corresponded with his parents over in Britain. And the parents told him about their encounter with the spirit, pretending to be him, thus 
like proving that this had happened and the guy came back and says i am no longer a skeptic oh my god so there's like there's that that account there's the andrew jackson account there's like so many like little accounts of these happening it's just really weird but the behavior like first of all i was thinking fucking demon like i don't want to deal with demons Mm. i don't like that's something i don't want to cover but it sounds like something you know that you hear about that way but then they're blaming a witch. But then JB gets poison. Poison is a woman's method mm. of killing people. And the fact that she liked Lucy, the wife, and was acting very motherly towards old Betsy with like who she wants Betsy to marry and mm-hmm. stuff. A little suspect. Hmm. But again, all these accounts. Who knows? Yeah, I was going to say the number of people that... The number of people is a mystery. And there's supposedly, there's the Bell Witch Cave, which uh, apparently is supposed to be Betsy haunted. tried to copulate in, apparently. Right, exactly. Like... It was the primary makeout <laughs> Betsy and her child bride, Bert Groom, whatever. <laughs> oh, you know, it's so funny. I sit there thinking, like, some parts of this story make it think, like, you know... This entity would have been kind of fun to hang out with. <laughs> Apparently it knew things, right? <laughs> if you, it was a great conversation. Seriously, it was a great conversation. I'm thinking like, you know, if this is horrible, but I was sitting here thinking like, if it hadn't been like a religious horrible thing to mm-hmm. like have this entity here, would it have been that scary or would it have just been like kind of hilarious? You right. know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess oh. if you're getting like, poked and pinched and yeah that would be if it's fucking with my sleep i'm like stop it oh yeah i need my rest yeah nobody does that to me nobody does that (laughs) you can't do that shit to me (laughs) my god and then i guess the shitty part about it is you can't make it stop right there's nothing you can do children yeah you can't just you know there is no time out or punching in the teeth for this ghost (laughs) exactly and you always do not punch my teeth in the teeth (laughs) just (laughs) (laughs) hasn't happened yet right (laughs) and there's no um there's no like having a taster for your food like wondering if it's gonna slip you the poison Mm kind of deal just weird it's just weird. It is weird. But damn. Now I, I kind of want to go to there. I kind of yeah, want to go there. Yeah, I kind of do. I, and, and cowardly lion that I am. I, well, it's I'm just curious if I pick far. up any like weird vibe. Yeah, it's like just north of um, Nashville. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It, would, it like wouldn't be a day hours. trip. It definitely yeah. would not be a day trip. Well, my um, so my older, my 11-year-old, Abby is like all about ghost hunting now and I oh. don't think it's my fault but I'm not sure it's not right but all she does is read goosebumps like mm. you know library books goosebumps and scare the shit out of me it, she's like all about both yeah. of them all about it and now she's ordering all these books mm-hmm. about like the on the ghost hunters field guide oh, and wow. how you find ghosts and she, she wants to join save her money the to be a local paranormal, paranormal society yes, yes. and we I want to they're having a they're having another investigation in Aniston tonight and I want to get on Facebook and watch it because I'm curious. Oh, it's on Facebook? I think they only do those on Facebook Live, I think. It's like that you have to be on there and watch the video on Facebook. That's smart. My old people sensibilities say that that's how that works. I'm not really sure. But it also doesn't start till 11 and my old people sensibilities say I I may be dead by then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. This is why I don't see ghosts. Like (laughs) I'm in bed by 9.30. (laughs) I gotta go. 
Was well, right. that was a killer episode. It was in an hour and 30 minutes. Damn. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. I hope you hang in. Hang <laughs> exactly. in. I have no prize for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I know. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Thank you. And please like us on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. And we are at the Strange so, South Strange podcast. South. Or just wait at the Strange South podcast. Podcast. Thank you. I, I'm <laughs> going to just let you say yeah. it because I totally. Yes, and we will um <laughs> we will try and do show notes today. <laughs> You're gonna need to do a lot of show notes.